0: Good evening, it's Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and welcome to another episode of Be Unique's Unscripted, where we talk to artists, musicians, performers, and business professionals. My name is Tony Taylor, I'll be your host for this evening. You know, you could spend your Thursday nights anywhere, and we are excited you're spending it with us. The conversation is cool, it's calm, and it's casual. You can also be a part of the conversation by dialing 516 516 418 5651 five, now before we begin let's talk about why you need to get on your phone and go to BeUnique.org that's B U N E K E dot org here's what BeUnique is all about our mission is to work today to change tomorrow using digital mediums to connect the world with professional storytelling and media production we work to educate inspire and foster positivity Get comfortable and get ready to dial 516-418-5651 with your questions, comments, and whatever else you may want to say. Let's meet our guest. All right, good evening, everybody. It is Thursday night. It is 9 o'clock, and you are listening to another episode of Be Unique's Unscripted. That's right. They've allowed us to stay on the air again, so uh, you're going to get what you get. I am. It is my pleasure, actually, to have an outstanding guest tonight. Her name is Natasha. Her name is Natasha Natasha and she has trained at the Second City Theater in Chicago and has performed at the improv sketch and stand-up comedy internationally, including Edinburgh and Camden Fringe Festival. State side, she's been seen now seen at the Improv Zanies, Boston Comedy Arts Festival, New York City Sketch Fest and all your favorite storytelling festivals. If you have favorite storytelling festivals, in short, if you're wondering where she's from, please keep guessing because it's Natasha's favorite game. I love that. Natasha, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you. (laughs) Thank you. You did that
1: so well. Bios are always so awkward and you just freeze through it, Tony.
0: Oh let me tell you something. You you know, this I have been so looking forward to the show because it's one of those moments where the show I don't know where to begin because you do so much. I mean, where is it to start with? So but I, I think I think I think I've narrowed it down and I wanna start first off with what you describe, your self describe. Uh, person, you, the, your self description for yourself. You're a multicultural military brat who traded in Mormon cemetery, seminary for solo book clubs at the bar. You must explain.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like I've spent a good chunk of my adolescent and adult life looking for a box that I can like <laughs> confidently check. You know, check correctly. You know, you're always looking for your tribe of that you belong to or whatever. And I right. haven't found just one, so I just try and throw them all in there. I we were, um, I come from a military family, so we moved around a bit, and um, it took me like a good probably ten fifteen years to claim Florida as my home when we moved here. Right. I didn't want to melt into into the atmosphere of normies. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I I am not them. They are not me. they will never understand me. I'm so different So well it's
0: well it's so funny because i'm I'm sitting here, you know, I have to always every week give a description of the show and our guest and so he's going to be on it, and I'm sitting there, and I just the I just the only thing I could say was, well you know, Natasha Pasya has you guessing because we do we, you have i mean when you go and say you're a multicultural military brat. Who traded in Mormon seminary. Now, you've got to talk about that. You're multicultural. Okay, so explain the cultures involved in your upbringing.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, it's all part of my say. I say unfortunately because it's like, I don't know, I've done it so many times, but... Um, I'm definitely ethnically ambiguous. I didn't know I was really until I (laughs) went to grad school. (laughs) I didn't. I mean, like, you know, it's like it's almost like if you were to grow up or like with with a specific way of talking or an accent, like, you you don't hear it. You need someone else to tell you that that exists, right? right? Because it's just how you sound. (laughs) It wasn't until I went to grad school and, like, actually started studying Middle Eastern studies and stuff that I realized, like, there were these groups of students that were like really focused. Like I, I found Palestinian friends and Lebanese friends and Egyptian friends and I'm part Lebanese. And so it was like, Oh, I guess I can identify with them. So maybe okay. I am them and I look like them. So does everyone else see me <laughs> this way? <laughs> so know. it must be them, I'm, right? Okay. I'm very much in my head all the time. This is just how I was made. <laughs> And then okay. my mom is Ecuadorian. She immigrated to the States when she was a kid. My father is Lebanese and Italian, but he goes in Pittsburgh. And it's just, so she was such a melting pot there in his neighborhood. <laughs> so, like, like ethnically ambiguous was the norm for him. And then they just, like, smushed together, and they had four, like, brown babies. They had four daughters, it no, all different.
2: <laughs>
1: well, I, I think so it's 22
0: you also describe your parents as uh, recovering Catholics. What does that yeah. mean? Yeah,
1: Ed, is that redundant? Yes, it is. <laughs> is that redundant? <laughs> so my mom, yeah, my mom was raised oh. Latin Catholic, so she's from South America, very Catholic down there. And my dad was raised, um, the Italian and Lebanese side, both, like, very Catholic, going to church all the time. They both grew okay. up in, like, private Catholic school um, and I didn't have that experience but from what I heard it in the sixties it was very intense and the nuns mm. were not your friends.
0: <laughs> oh, not. So, they were very so, scary figures. Oh, okay. They're
1: very scary figures. And and you know what's funny, so I know this is confusing, I've added too many variables People are like, I don't know what to make of this girl, Mormon, multicultural <laughs> military, what the hell? You only wanted to pick well, one. Well wait, wait, let me stop
0: you there because I, I gotta say the same thing. I didn't know what to make of this girl. <laughs> I,
1: well, so here's the funny thing, and I didn't realize this until the last few years. Like, as the older I become as an adult, like, my, you know, your friendship with your parents sort of changes or evolves. And yeah. I was always wondering, like, my mom was Catholic, and then when she was in college, she converted to Mormonism, which is a whole other story <laughs> itself. But I remember asking her the last couple of years. You, you know we're going to have to like, go there, okay? We you can know we're going that. to have like, to go hey, there. Go, I'm is sorry. This sorry, is the highlight aerial view. But I remember asking okay. my mom, like, Mom, you grew up in such, like, a serious, religious culture for her like that was her experience Mm -hmm. like it was just very serious very strict like why would you convert to mormonism because my experience with mormonism is everyone is like pretty nice and pretty happy but there's like a lot of layered like codependency and expectations and stuff and my mom told me she basically told me she's like you have to remember i grew up latin catholic like private school catholic she's like Converting to Mormonism—that was like going Catholic light.
2: <laughs> God, you,
1: you so know what? Though con- it, you know, when she converted, it, she was like, "Woohoo!" <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a break here. Okay, I but know you, my mind was blown, Tony. <laughs> like, okay. So, it,
0: well, I mean, it, it, but it sounds like it, it was a relief to her. But it sounds like you took yeah. to the Mormon religion, though. I mean, you you're you were. Did you attend Mormon seminary?
1: I mean, yeah, well, so, yeah, and a clear of a bit, so Mormon seminary is probably different than, like, Catholic or seminary. Well, oh, okay, like okay. I think seminary and other religions is, like, it's, you, it's sort of you've chosen that career path, right? Like, you've well, well, out you, of you school, think of high an yeah, school, you want to become a priest or school. something. Right, 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 right. Right. So Mormon seminary was intense school, but you're still a teenager. So in the Mormon world, from junior high to high school, for about four years, you are expected to – Wake up. In many places, it's before school. You wake up every morning. So we'd wake up at five in the morning, and God. from six to seven in the morning, six to seven, seven thirty, we would have Mormon scripture study for ninety minutes until we went to high school. This Straight is every the morning. Study
0: to the high school. Oh wow.
1: Yeah. So that was Mormon seminary, and you did it every day. You had school. You were going to church beforehand every morning. <laughs>
0: Goodness, uh, so we're we'll talking about, and she's calling that Catholic light.
1: Okay, exactly. Well, I guess because we only had an hour and a half a day, and then like um, a few hours on Sunday, but she had it. You know, basically with the nuns every day, they found a way to incorporate. <laughs> you know, exactly. So, yeah.
0: Exactly. And hey, I want to remind everybody if you are following this or trying to follow this story, you can always dial in and talk to Natasha at area code 516-418-5651. That's area code 516-418-5651. All right, Natasha, now we need to we need to focus on you transitioning from the intensive religious sections that you were at. And going into um, being on stage live, has this something uh, the stage itself, the 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 the, uh, the wanting of being in front of people to tell stories, is this something that you discovered you wanted to do early on, or was this something you discovered you wanted to do during a, a prayer service at the Mormon seminary? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Please, please just put me on stage. No, 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 I don't um, care what
1: I this... talked about. Just give me <laughs> a
0: microphone, damn it. <laughs> I just would
1: rather have a microphone, please. And not wake
0: up at six o'clock in the morning.
1: I'll leave the choir, I don't care. Just don't make right, me get right, up. Right, <laughs> right. Um, right. But I, I mean was like... this
0: something as a child that you I mean, did you I mean, you know, we hear all these stories all the time about stand up comedians, you know, saying, you know, I found out that I was able to entertain my parents and plum. Was that was that a realization for you?
1: Trying to make sense out of the tragedy of life. I actually had a, I had a pretty idyllic upbringing for all of the, like, for how much I've differentiated myself from the Mormon church now, and that was something right. I needed to do. Like, I had yeah. pretty great parents. We got to go around the world and, like, very cultured and educated. I was pretty lucky. Um, but mm-hmm. if you were to talk to my mom, she and actually she and my dad both say that I was always a bit of a ham. I was always when I was no. a kid. I do. Yeah, I know, right? right I used to put on. I used to say
2: shocking.
1: we're gonna have a. I used to put on these puppet shows. Like this was the eighties and nineties. So like yeah, All this, like yeah, like a box full of puppets, and I would like set up stage behind the couch. Like I would drag my sister and me behind the couch, and um, so my parents would sit on the other side of the couch and can only see our hands pop up above and try to, you know, put on some type of show, like I could barely talk at that age when I started but I could make these <laughs> puppets talk. And then and I would always start out by MCing my shows and I would my MC opening line would be like, We're gonna have a puppet show and I would just like throw Yay! all the puppets and launch them across the couch and my parents would always come oh with our daughter.
0: <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Now now was were your parents supportive of this?
1: yeah um our creativity always like um oh, and i got into like video i don't know what you call it like video or being in front of a camera at a young age because my parents had about this CHS, cause we were okay always, like we had a lot of family and all of our families in the states but we were always like in another country or something and this was before mm-hmm. the internet so they do videotape Right. us uh, doing monologues or giving a video tour <laughs> like we, we did the original like baby cribs like cribs like keeping our cousins across the sea a tour of our rooms our bedrooms or something like and the dolls we had gotten because like that's what was going on in our life so like we used to have we have this video that is like semi-traumatic but not really like where my mom would make us dress up during christmas and matching christmas outfits the four girls and sing like felice navidad as part of the Christmas you know, that we would send to our cousins, yeah, we were those cousins. We were the nerds Oh, cousins. you were those types. <laughs> we were those. We'd sing "Police Navidad" and mass-matching Christmas bows and right. sweaters.
0: <laughs> you know what, though, it, it sounds really—it it sounds really good, though—that your parents, you know, I mean, because we, you know, we listen to, or we we think, or we hear, or we hear stories of, of, of you know, with a strict religious background, there was you know, restrictions in a child's growth and a child's imagination, but it sounds like you were very fortunate enough to have parents that were really strong in encouraging you to use your imagination. And I know that's probably yeah. built upon uh, your ability to be a storyteller. And, and and I think for the audience listening, maybe they don't have quite of a grasp of what a storyteller does on stage. Can you explain a little bit of that? Can you describe what that's about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate saying that because I know it's not like a common mainstream performance.
0: Well, people um, think of storytelling, you know, as just somebody sitting around and, you know, I mean, it was it's story time. By a fireplace.
1: But, yep. But it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But it's a whole nother Yeah, whittling venue. away to carving with kids right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Folklore. Um, in the background, so I got yes, yes yeah yeah the soup is catching on fire, and there's like a friendly ghost in the window <laughs> <laughs> i mean
0: you're you're actually it's actually performance art, and can you describe really you know what it is to be a storyteller at on stage live in front of people?
1: yeah, I like to sometimes it's easiest to start from what people in entertainment know. a lot of people know and have seen some version of stand up comedy and to me. Right story the type of storytelling that I do as a performance art is like stand up comedy, but it doesn't always have to be funny. So they're real yeah. stories that I've experienced or chosen to like pull out of my life or my experience. And is, share is that with your people. main
0: is, is your life really the main, let's say, source of your storytelling?
1: Um, yeah, for me, for the, the storytelling, I guess, environment that I that I learned how to perform in is all right. very true. So, like memoir-based storytelling, um, this happened to me, or sometimes this happened to someone that I know very dearly. So, true stories. Um, uh, do, you, do you tell them on stage? If it's in the like, just like right. imagine going to a theater or venue, a bar, anywhere, and mm-hmm. there's all you need is a microphone, and there are right. selected performers, and maybe there's a few of them, and they each have I don't know three to ten minutes to tell true stories right. that are telling hilarious, sad, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, they're trying to connect with and entertain the strangers in the audience. So whatever you need to do to do that, you do it.
0: <laughs> you know, you know, and I've seen you live on stage. And I think for me personally, um, storytelling is a little bit beyond, I mean, a little bit beyond stand-up comedy in the sense of yeah. there is a deeper richness to what you're describing. Uh,
2: within,
0: within the context of what you're talking about. I mean, you, you I, I've seen you when you've been on stage, and it's funny. I mean, you, you've got some great stories, and you've got some hilarious stories. But it's also stories that really are, are, are almost like a book in the sense of, you know, they really put you in the middle of it. And I know in particular there was one story that, that you told – uh, that I was fortunate enough to be at um about a situation where you were almost married yeah and i i i mean can i can I ask that you maybe probably give our audience maybe a little synopsis of that story, and then we can talk about it just so they have some kind of yeah. context
1: absolutely, and obviously, like you're a master storyteller, you were not only there, but you I know. Uh, we're part of the collaborative effort to, like, Aww. film that and help us put something together, and it really mattered. Like, it was really thank cool you. to see you do that. And you put together a video that sort of helped me share with other people, Good. like, what is storytelling and why it's important. Well, so thank you for that.
0: Well, let, well, let me tell you, um, it, it really takes a lot for a person to get on stage to begin with, number one. But then to have an audience be there and become captivated and riveted by what a person is saying. And then, you know, again, like I was saying, it's, it's almost a step above stand-up comedy because stand-up comedy, and you know this because you're a comedian, um, stand-up comedy has to move. It has to move. It has to move. It has to move.
2: Yeah. But
0: you're sitting there telling a story and you expect an audience to listen to it. And in order for a live audience to listen to a story, they have to be captivated. They have to be riveted. And they have to be interested. And uh, that, to me, is an art but let's go ahead and uh let's talk about that one story so we can get a little deeper into it and uh we'll go from there
1: yeah absolutely so um uh the story you're talking about it, it's so crazy it seems like it happened like in another life now but when i was in my early 20s i um i was still mormon and for people that are listening that might not have the experience my experience never was my parents never pushed me to like get married. They were actually like really progressive. My mom was only Mormon, but they had a bit, pretty big world view. But I was engaged to be married. I was probably about twenty two and I think I felt a lot more of the pressure like coming internally and socially from like my Mormon group and like the way that they that the teachers taught it there so in the in the Mormon culture, it's very much like you know women's greatest joy and greatest thing on earth is to Mm -hmm. have kids and be married and to be a mother and a wife and so whether or not you go to college when you're in your early 20s like that's your prime time so i was engaged to be married to a guy um that i I think it was really my first you know like heavy relationship and mormon Mm -hmm. engagements happen very quickly mormon marriages happen very quickly so there there's no real sense of dwelling on this and learning about each other better and compatibility um, and it just so happened that I had actually tried to break it up, like, once or twice, and I don't think that I wasn't a very strong person at the time to follow it through when you push back, um, and it got down to the wire. Um, the night before my wedding, I was shoe shopping at Steinmart, which I don't know <laughs> if you have one of those where you are, but it's sort of like a little bit more upscale cold. night before my wedding still hadn't gotten my shoes probably a red flag but it was my first rodeo so I don't know (laughs) and uh, and I'm looking for white sandals white shoes in the store at like eight at night and I just started crying like I'm not a big wear my heart on my sleeve person I wasn't at that time but the tears just started coming out of like I don't I don't know where and I'm staring at the shoes and I go up to pay for my shoes and my mascara is probably running and <laughs> she rings me up and I go out to my car in my parking lot in the parking lot and I just sort of fell apart and mm. I still think this is the only way I could describe what it felt what it felt was happening inside of me was my body was like turning itself Inside out,
2: and I didn't have mm. any
1: control over it. And I, I just sat in my car in the parking lot, like in this okay. suburb. But I don't know for for hours, honestly, for a couple hours at least, cried and cried and, like, whatever. And I all I knew was by the time I turned on my car to drive home, that I that I couldn't get married, and I didn't mm. fully understand why. But, um, I was. I was still living at home at the time and just out of college. And I walked in and um, there were all these family had just come in from out of town for the wedding, which was the no, next day. Man. It was, it was, so was everybody. the next day. Hadn't seen these people in a the minute. They're all congratulating me. My tear-stained face as I walk in, you know, my emotions are flying. No one knows what's going on. And I remember right. my mom and I'm seeing her eyes through this crowd of family members. And <sighs> she always tells me afterwards, she's like, I knew as soon as I saw your eyes, you weren't getting married
2: oh man
1: and i i you know i called it off i just i couldn't i, it, I knew it wasn't right so that that was that <laughs> well I and that I tell my, my mom my mom lovingly always calls that my practice wedding because <laughs> 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 the next day we sold the party because every you can't cancel it last minute and we sold the party my dad's always great for parties they paid for the food and the drinks and stuff and basically, like there was a lot, a lot more that happened to be between. Sure. But basically, sure. the next within the next 24 hours, everyone that had already flown into town, or we couldn't call everyone, you know. And and how many how many people um, are
0: we talking was showing up though? I mean, were we talking I think it was like, like
1: just under 200 or something.
0: Oh my word!
1: And some were on his side, and then when I told that my ex fiance at that time, like this isn't happening. Like, of course, I don't even know if he called his family or you know. They, what, what are you gonna say? Uh, she just canceled on me like who knows who actually was told but I do know that there were several people in the crowd that had no idea this wasn't happening and when I didn't show up in a wedding dress they were like what is going on and my dad was basically got up and he's just like so obviously nobody's getting married today (laughs) he's like however he's like we have all this food and drinks we have family friends and he's like let's just celebrate life (laughs)
0: You know, that is – you know, that speaks a lot about your parents, though. It does. It really does. It really does. Yeah, it and, really does. And, and, you know, I'm sitting here – and, again, I'm, I, I, I am listening to you tell this story, and I'm noticing um, the, the art – the, art, this, God, the, the um, empathy touch to this story. And one thing that uh, really struck me with you telling the story is the mascara running down your face in the store. And that is such a visual. That is such a visual. And it's such a bare kind of um, exposure to how much this had affected you. And and that, to me, I, I don't know if I could do that because, I mean, it's those little touches that you add to your stories that not only not only is the story interesting, okay, and not only is it emotional, but it stays with you. And it's such a visual. It's such a visual. And, I mean, that is something the genius of storytelling and the ability to be able to do it is to find those little moments in those stories that are above the story itself but are things that, you know, a person listening to it can latch on to and you know when I was you know when I was originally first heard the story I I I was of course captivated by it but I also looked around the venue we were at and everybody was silent and that is an amazing thing that's amazing Natasha that's an amazing power to have is to be able to get you know a group of people and this is not like three people we're talking about 20 to 50 people in this small venue we were at, to actually stop and be in that moment. And, you know, that, that is, you know, that is something that's, you know, that's, that's beyond the ability of, of any kind of stand up community. That is, that is putting a person inside of your experience and I gotta tell you, man, that is an art, and that's something I cannot do. And uh, that is, you know, that is genius. Okay, that that is genius, and it's an it's an amazing gift. But that's
1: not all you do. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> so gen- that's so generous of you. I don't take that lightly. I feel no, like myself no. when I'm doing this. And you know, it's. I mean, I know you understand as an artist or a creative. Sure. Or I assume you, I don't. I don't, actually. I don't know if this is your experience. My experience as a creative is that it is sure, but, like but, I, I like like those moments when you get to like completely feel lost in your art and in the moment you're creating right, right. is like the moment when I feel the most like grounded and trans transcendent. that's amazing like that's amazing. but I also feel like the safest and I feel like every other moment in life in between for me is like just trying to get back to that moment
0: well, I tell you, it's a whole other situation, though, because, you know, in video, film, that type of thing, you can literally manipulate an audience. You can manipulate an audience oh, with yeah. camera, sound, music, uh, acting, whatever. But just a storyteller is the person on stage with a mic. And that is a power. Because I can sit here and I can do all the tricks of the trade, you know, with, oh, okay, well, we've got to intimidate the audience. We've got to do a low or we got to give bring a feeling of emptiness, up. you know, <laughs> yeah. or exactly bring the music up, but yeah. it's just you yeah. and a voice. And that is a power. And how many, now h- let me ask you something. How many storytelling festivals do you do a year?
1: Oh, I don't do enough a year for sure. <laughs> no. oh, I can really? probably count on like my hands. Yeah. Like how many that I've done. Um, but in terms of like outside of festivals, like events, um, right. as many as I can book or produce or get books on, yeah.
2: Wow.
0: Now, you went and trained. This is amazing, too. Um, I, have, I, I, I have read stories and I have read in books about how incredibly difficult it is to get into Second City in Chicago. So can you talk about that and how you ended up being able to overcome those hurdles? Because, I mean – everybody from you know from the early saturday night live cast to the comedians we have now has gone through second city and it's not easy right i mean this is a is it is it really difficult to get into and what are they looking for
1: um no it's a good question also i don't know how it is now i went probably like six seven or seven or eight years ago but um honestly i have a feeling that it or i don't have a feeling i know that it was much it was a much smaller and um for lack of a better term, like elite sort of process, maybe right. like 30 years ago, 40 years ago than it is now, honestly. So it's a really? city that I know is definitely, yeah. So it's still, you know, uh, cultivates the actors that many people know, like most McCarthy, Steve Carell before it was like sure. and everything. Um, it's sure. still ta- ca- uh, cultivates that level of training mm-hmm. and co hosts of actors that we see on TV in our mm-hmm. favorite comedies. However, the Second City today is like imagine it's like it's like a campus almost. Um oh, is the it? the Second City in like that we started to know of in the 60s where it was a room and then a small building. Yeah. Right. So right. essentially like if you can pay for the courses and there are enough slots in it, you can do oh, so many levels of okay. Second City, but then there, after the, the main training, there's a conservatory you have to audition into, or and then sort of branches off through the conservatory, and then there's multiple touring companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so it depends on how far you want to go and you're able to go, and that's where there are, like, benchmarks you sort of have to hit in casting directors that look much more, you know, specifically right. at your ability. Yeah.
0: Right. And was this right out of college that you went to Second City?
1: No, I actually sort of tumbled in the Second City, Tony, when <laughs> I went there. I had no idea that it was the historical legacy-filled <laughs> institution that it was. I went because I was like, I'm tired of reporting. I <laughs> want to take a writing class that's going to make me right. feel like a kid again. And I, like, Googled <laughs> writing classes in Chicago. I'm not even joking. And so I was there like, are, what is this for Second City? There. There are I know. Out.
0: That is so That is so amazing, Natasha. This there is are people like what out I there did. that this are like,
1: <laughs> there are people
0: that are like, God, i give my soul to get into second city.
1: And, then, and this uh, was you after graduate up... school. Like, I was just after grad. I've always felt. I've always. I'll tell you this. I always felt. I've always felt comfortable in a classroom. Like I'm right. the nerd that like. Now I'm thinking of going to get my PhD because I don't know what. I'm always comfortable <laughs> in a classroom. So I was like, well, you,
0: I don't wait, know wait, if you wait, want wait, take you a class. You don't know what to do with your life. <laughs> You've got you. I mean, I'm sitting here
1: going, "Well, I, I gotta get up in the morning crisis, and, and feed the dog." I'm having, I'm allowed to have it. This is post-pandemic. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Isn't everyone having a midlife crisis right now? I thought I read a LinkedIn article about it today. <laughs> I,
0: I've sat around the pandemic and I've thought about this.
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't have enough money to buy a sports car, and I don't care about that. So maybe I'll just go get my PhD instead. <laughs> yeah,
0: but you, and there you go. There's another example of tumbling. Because so Tomalinda does, yeah. and I got the second city, and I'm like, hey, yeah. uh,
2: this is not What's bad. We knew John Belushi was here. Right. <laughs> so, so,
0: so a, a person who doesn't um, have many options. <laughs> so, so what, I realize this so, sounds
2: very privileged. I
0: understand. No, 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 no. It's privileged. just it's a. I I <laughs> I enjoy, and I don't mean it the way it's going to sound. But I enjoy the the um, the naivety of it because you really are, and I don't mean it in a bad way. I, I'm, what I'm saying it's is, so you bad. really are depending on your ability, and your ability is something you're saying that is 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 just within you. And so it makes sense. It really does make sense that you would tumble into these things because I mean you, you what you've got is already there. You know, and and that and that you know, that should at least lead you to you know, deciding, you know, which direction you want to go. But in in that sense, let me ask you this. What are you focusing on now? And what are you trying to do for the future? I mean, do you see yourself continuing on as a storyteller, you see yourselves continuing on, because I know you emcee a quite a bit, of, quite a few shows, mm-hmm. and you travel all around the country doing it. Um, and we were very lucky to get you for this Thursday. But, um, you know, I see you doing that. I mean, what, what is it you want to do and focus on now that you've, now that you've, you know, kind of gotten out of Second City?
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, there's going to and be like his, uh... But what do you, what um, do you,
0: do you want to focus specifically on writing, or do you still want to do live performance? I mean, what is it you're looking at really focusing on?
1: I like love and hate this question. I was like literally reviewing this question with my therapist today. Like I'm not even joking. I feel like this is a sequel to my therapy session. And it's actually very helpful because you guys articulate things in a similar way. <laughs> oh good, good. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm under <laughs> yeah. something. That's yeah. good. Thank okay. you, Tony Taylor. How much do I owe yeah, you? What's your just deposit the nickel oh. in the cup. That'll be fine. Deposit the nickel. Honestly, I but, don't know. I like. No. I I, I want to do all the things, but I think it it, it like changes. I've never, I've never, you know, after, when I was a kid and through high school and college, I always wanted to report and be a reporter, and I did that just for a brief while. And I, but I've never outside of like traveling and writing, right? Um, yeah, outside of traveling and writing and just like trying to. And like just being able to be super curious about the world around me through mm-hmm. books and through people and stuff, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I've never been one of those people that is like, you know, SNL or bust, or like I want to like <laughs> ride to the. SNL I, and I, I, I have not. I think that's wonderful that some people have that, but right. I just like, right. there, I don't know. There's, there's nothing yet, no specific goal that if I don't reach it, like right. I'll hate myself. I don't know if that's good or bad. Do You know what I mean? Like I, I, I find I find a power in very goal-oriented people because they find a track and they pursue it. Right. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm trying to refigure it out. I'm trying to renegotiate my emotional terms of this life. <laughs> <laughs> the emotional like, well, it sounds like, like it sounds <laughs> like you're
0: negotiating your emotional
1: terms very well. Oh well, thank you. Maybe I just cover. I cover it well. Have you always been a very specifically goal-oriented person, or passion-driven person, or like what um,
2: drives
0: you? You know what I? And that's a good question. Thank you for asking. Um, I feel I've got to have a goal. I'm one of those people yeah. that really, I, I I gotta have a script. You know what I mean? I gotta yeah. have. You know, when I wake up in the morning, I don't know if it's my ADHD or what. Um, but I I don't. I've gotta have a plan. It doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be followed, and it doesn't necessarily have to be in stone, but it gives mm-hmm. me comfort to know that, okay, well, this is what I'm going to try to do today. Now, whether or not I do it is one thing, because, you know, I, I don't know if you ever experienced this yourself, but, you know, are, well, let me ask you this. Are you a person that needs a script? I mean, do you um, need to be able to get up in the morning and go, okay, this is what Natasha is going to do today, or this is what I want to try to do today?
1: You know, it's funny, I apologize for the nerdy semantics inside my brain, but do I need one? Maybe there's yeah. some, some, maybe maybe I do, but I just don't. But I I don't have one. Oh, lucky you to be able to ignore that. (laughs) No, do you know what I mean? Like, I guess the question is, have I gotten to where I want to go without one? I guess not. So maybe I should try it. But I feel very comfortable in the the improv space. You know, I get very organized. Um, I get very organized. I appreciate structure and consistency within people's behaviors towards me or else I feel chaotic. But in my life and my creativity and the things I do, I don't need a structure. I actually very much thrive in getting to improvise and being surprised.
0: And that makes sense. I don't know if that answers. No, that does. That makes makes complete sense because as a person who does improv, I mean, everything is is kind of in a chaotic state to begin with. And you've got to organize it and make it an idea or make it a plan or make it a purpose. Uh, you know to do what you do, but for me, um, it gets it gets a little. I, I don't know. I, it just gets a little chaotic if I don't have something. Uh, but me, you know, and some and some well, and sometimes it's hard. You know, to not put it into stone because you get tunnel vision, and that's another genius yeah. of what I feel. You know of what you do um, because you've got to be ready for anything. You've got to be ready to tackle anything. It's kind of like what's my line? You know it. it, it <laughs> It, it it you know you don't know what's going to get thrown at you and sometimes i get flustered by that how do you feel i mean do you do you thrive on something i do kind of thr- oh, okay there you're one of those on people. the
1: stage but okay. i wasn't always like that do you know i wasn't really? always like that and i think part of it was totally like um growing up in uh my parents always made room for us to thrive creatively and to explore things and just to be curious. And, you know, we moved a lot or traveled a lot. So we had to learn how to adapt in very different situations where you maybe didn't know the language or the food or the place, but we also had a very structured like military family and then the Mormon part. So I, I don't, I don't know where that comes from, but I do know that when I was transitioning out of the Mormon religion that it was really hard for me to not have to not know what was on the other side of things for a long time. Sure. And I still have some of that anxiety, but I think it's, it's less about um, the day-to-day things and still more about the big, what is life thing, if that makes sense. But you
0: know, you know what though? Um, Would you say that, you know, being a person that was a military brat, that means a person who was traveling all over the countries. All over different places all the time, and not being able to have some sense of stability and friendships and relationships. Yeah. Um, would you say that that was a great source for your improvisation?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably. Um, and it, but or partially because one, um, we, our family became really close. Like. Right. My sisters and I, looking back, like, we used to, my sister Gina and my sister Belle and I, we used to make these cassette tapes. Remember when you would put a cassette tape in the radio and then you had to press record and yeah, speak I'm into not the Yeah, I'm that old. I remember. Yeah yeah, I remember. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Like, we used to make our own, I guess sure. looking back, you would call them sketch. We'd make our own sure. sketch comedy tapes where we were different God. characters.
2: We and we them. would
1: have, yeah. like, recurring things where we were these, like, three hilarious weird crotchety old ladies that had like <laughs> rhyming names. And we would just just talk and like make up songs and stuff and we made these tapes right. and then we would give them to our parents whenever they'd go on trips and would be like, We made this tape for you and I'm sure they listened to the first five minutes and like, What is this trash? you know? <laughs> <They didn't laughs> tell us that. Right, right. <laughs>
2: So, so you in that way, so many... like
1: definitely, fed our improv. Like we made up, you know, we were kids. We sure. like a lot of kids too. Sure. We made up our own world. And in the military, sure. like we had one TV channel. We had TV. One TV. So channel. We just one TV channel in the military base. And if you wanted more, you had to pay for satellite. But yeah, even no basic cable on military bases overseas. No. One TV no. no <laughs> channel. So if right. you missed your show, you did. You had to think mm. of something else to do. Right. <laughs> Well and i and
0: I can imagine, yeah, but let me ask you this, Natasha. It had to be difficult growing up though, to have to be in that situation where you know at a certain point you realize you know and there's no stability, and you know this person that I 'm calling my friend today, I could leave tomorrow. I mean, what was that like? I mean, how did that feel
1: um I can remember specifically one example of that. I think it was the first time that I, that I really thought about it. I was probably like eight, eight years old. Um, we were living in Germany and our parents were always really good about it. They had gotten the, um, the, they were going to be transferred and that's when we were moving to the States and I was at the age right. like, where I didn't. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I was eight when we moved from Panama to Germany. So I was 11 at this time. God. 11. You know, so we're Panama, Germany. from Germany, uh, Germany yes. to Florida. Panama uh, to Florida. And I had no conscious memory of living in the States because I was born in the States, but, like, we left when I was a baby. Right. So I right. So I never called the States my home. We went back, like, really? maybe every summer, every other summer to visit cousins. But right. all that to say, I remember I was 11 years old, and my best friend at the time, Christina, I remember she had invited me, this is an intersection I completely forgot about. She'd invited Mm. me to her birthday party. And Mm -hmm. being Mormon, I don't know if there's still a, but there's a big rule that like Sundays you really don't do anything that isn't in the name of God. Like, so if a friend invites you to a birthday party, that's like a big conversation. Like a lot of kids won't go because parties are not something for the Sabbath. Sunday was the Sabbath.
2: So my best friend
1: invites me to a birthday party on a Sunday in Germany. And I remember going through like a kid, like my mom left it up to me. She's like, you decide whatever you want to do. And I was just like, in my mind, my little kid mind, all I remember hearing in church was, you know, that's not a good way to show your love for God. So I didn't go to my best friend's birthday party. And as a kid, it was so just like mentally, I I didn't know what to do with that. It felt tragic. And then to know that we were going to be moving to Florida right. and I might never see it again pre-internet, it was, to answer your question, like that's one visceral I, moment that I remember like...
2: Yeah, it's got to be. That's
1: what it was like. It felt, I felt like a be. bad friend, and I felt really sad, and I didn't know, and to add that all, I was, like, a pretty shy kid, so I didn't really know how to, like, express my feelings outwardly. So, I yeah, it was all internal monologue. <laughs>
0: sorry, 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 Natasha, you lost me as shy. Um.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, on stage and one-on-one, I'm not shy, but, like, I know, Tony, I know. this is why I, I said solo book, solo book clubs at the bar I cannot talk to people. I don't know.
2: I know. <laughs> it's well, just, I die.
0: Well, but I mean, you know, you look at, you look at that, you look back at that now. I mean, I mean, even now you think about, it. I mean, this is your best friend and this is a birthday party. And yeah. you know, you're, I mean, that, that's pretty intense for a kid. I would imagine.
1: Yeah, for a little kid I guess looking back yeah. at it, I was like, oh that that was a pretty big one.
0: <laughs> that's pretty that's yeah. pretty intense. Um now I, I'm I'm asking a personal question because I, I wanna know for myself. Um, how much uh stake do you put into writing?
1: I thought you were about to talk about like steaks the food. I got hungry. Well, I can do that too. <laughs> how much
2: steak <laughs> we can, can get to that too? <laughs>
0: too. <laughs>
1: but no.
2: Uh, uh,
0: but, I mean, how how important is is it is writing to you that helps you get you know that helps you draw from yourself all of these life experiences that you're able to convey on stage? I mean, do you spend a lot of time
1: doing that? Um, not as much as I should. Any comedian oh, will ever tell you, sure yeah. Is. Oh, I know this about myself. I don't feel bad or shame. I mean, I feel sort of shameful, but I'm not going to. Yeah, not as much as I should, for sure. And
2: really? you know
1: why? I know why. It's because I. You, do you do you consider yourself a writer?
0: Yes, I do. And, okay. and see, writing me. Writing for me, writing for me, helps. It, it's a clarification. You know, I mean, a person can tell yeah. me until they're blue in the face that you're got blonde hair and thankfully they don't say it's falling out because it is but um <laughs> but anyway no but for clarification uh for within myself within you know within yeah. my soul um i've got a right because yeah. i won't see it clearly and and, yeah. and the reason i'm asking again is going back to your storytelling um i mean and i go back sorry i go back to the mascara okay <laughs> but i mean no, it's, it's little sorry. it's little it's little um uh not a, uh what's the word it's little elements that's the word i'm looking for it's it's little elements like that that i would be able to see because i wrote it you know what i mean and i and, and, I, yes. and I, I i'm not conveying it in the story i would be able to see so the reason i was asking was you've got all of these literary elements that are involved in what you do and if I were to second guess you know I would say well this is a person that really focuses on um, introspection and the, you know and writing and and getting all that out because that's what I do I mean I will have a clearer picture of something after I've written it down versus somebody telling me I mean uh, Miss McGill my algebra 2 teacher was the best because I can't do math for shit Okay, I'm terrible.
1: <laughs> me neither. Okay, me neither. I'm terrible.
0: I'm <laughs> terrible. You could sit there and tell me one plus two is three, but I won't know it until I go to the chalkboard, which they don't have anymore. I go to the whiteboard, <laughs> and I'll go one plus two equals three. But see, that's how I learn it. That's how I learn it, yep. and that's how it, it sinks in with me. And, and, I'm, and, and, and there's so much literary quality in what you do on stage that I would have to think that, you know, you do put a very, very, you know, a very, very um, focused view on getting these things written. But apparently, no. Oh, okay.
1: No, but with every story, it's been different. I think one of the things I love most about my improv, yeah, totally. One of the things I've loved most about my improv experience has been that it's opened up this whole Window this whole world to create on my mm-hmm. feet mm-hmm. that I didn't really fully appreciate before. I have really? always been a writer, pen to page, and that's my world, and I feel safe in there. And I right, I, right. I could sit there for ages. I
2: can totally relate to that. Yep,
1: learning improv and sketch, um, it 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 connected my mind and my heart to my body. And yeah. I didn't really have that before, maybe because of my personality, maybe because of the church that I was raised in is, you right. know, very, takes you out of your body. Sure. Um, so yeah, writing is a big part, but also writing on my feet. Um, there's one of the things I love most about the performance art of storytelling is like the mm-hmm. practice wedding story. Um, and other sure. stories I have told that same story. Um, differently. Sometimes and sometimes it depends on, you know, how I was feeling that day and I just didn't feel exact words on the page, but when I got up it's still my story. And you I told it differently
0: still... tonight. You told it differently tonight and yeah, you told it I
1: could still emote differently. I could still emote yes. the same thing but the yes. words
2: were different.
0: Correct. But the just as powerful though. Okay, because you're you're using those elements of of writing, of, of word power. I like to call it um, to create a visual. It's amazing how words can do that, uh, which is They're what so I find powerful. so much fast. Oh, I, I that's you know, I I think words are amazing, and
1: I do too. You know, and the imagination of the audience. Yes. like th- yes. I think that's why I, I truly think that's why kids, when they read a book when they're seven or eight, and then they see a movie that's made of it twenty years later, it's never. That's one of the reasons no. it's never as good. Besides it being no. five hundred pages versus, you know, like it's because your uh, sure, imagination sure. is so sure. much more powerful sure. and it's so much more personal.
0: Sure. Um, and 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 that was I think um, you know you, you talk to any kid who grew up in the early two thousands. Um, they'll talk talk to them about Harry Potter, they're going to tell you it was the book. I yeah. mean, you had all these fantastic movies, but with Harry Potter, it was the book. And, um, you know, that was a moment in time where books, you know, where books were able, a series of books, were able to captivate children's audiences and all around the world. And, you know, it. it I was amazed at, at just you know, again, as a writer, just the power that words have. And to have, you know, kids, kids that have, you know, attention spans, short attention spans, lining up to read a book was fantastic. Yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah, that was so wild.
1: That was definitely a moment in, like, history Oh, it was definitely again.
0: a moment. It was definitely a moment. And that, again, goes back to what, I mean, you are an accomplished comedian, but um, the, the thing is, is that, you know, to be able to take a situation and get that audience all narrowed, glued, focused and visually seeing what you're talking about. I mean that that is definitely a power and that comes from, you know, something within yourself and you have definitely got the ability to do that, but also it's in it's a combination of being able to know what elements work together. And, you know, I listened, I go back to that story, I listened to that story, and when you add moments like the mascara, when you add moments like, you know, you have hundreds of guests there, you know, they, they expect a wedding, you know, um, you're, you're, you put the listener, not the reader, you put the listener in the middle of it, and you've got them. You've got them right there, and I tell you, that is an art that is an art and it's something that you should be very proud of. It's something mm-hmm. that you should continue doing. And my next question is, what are you doing now?
1: What am I doing now? It's a good question, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I can
0: play the Jeopardy theme if you want. <laughs>
1: Right now, I'm folding okay. my laundry and drinking tea and talking to you. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> actually, actually, my, uh, you would well, be the first great. to know. That's great. I mean, well, right now, Tony, right now,
0: Tony, I'm folding my
1: laundry. Right now, Tony, I'm folding my <laughs> pajamas and ironing my socks because great. I am a mother's daughter.
0: Oh, that is fantastic. <laughs> oh, what a great answer. Um, <laughs>
1: So I do like I've been trying to make it a weekly sort of just Wednesday right. live stream with women in the arts and creative um, yeah. sort of professions. But um uh, you'll be the one of the first to know. My friend and I from Chicago, he and I wrote um a play together that was in a festival. Uh we've been friends oh, for wow. years. And he, ran, he he ran a little theater company. We okay. are going to be starting a podcast. I won't oh. say about. Yeah, about one of our favorite shows that ended a few years ago, and we're going to be doing a rewatch. And uh-huh. um, I can't. I'm not going to say that's the only. Oh come on! Show, you can't tease us detail, like this. The most. Com- I will say though, when they they almost took this show completely off the air, the network okay. that was that had it for years, and when they did, oh. the audience went uh, like oh. apeshit <laughs> on Twitter, <laughs> and another network picked it up. And brought it back for a
0: final wow. season. Well, there... The, so, well, that, we,
1: lo- we that, love this show. Yeah. And it is, a, like, you talked talk about a show for, about writers and artists. We are Damn. so mopey and melodramatic. You've got me so excited now. And, and I will tell you about it. And I would love to see if you and your wife have seen it. And if not, you guys have to watch uh, it with us. Yeah, <laughs> but you're
0: not going to tell us. Thanks a lot. I'm not going to tell
1: you. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Because I know there's lots of people listening, and I don't want them to take our ideas. You, you know, you know, I'm
0: gonna pour over shit all night trying to figure out what this
1: show is. I know I gave you such a vague detail you in gave the TV me history. All yeah. clear and
0: concise, about it. as clear as concise as a, as a unsullied um, lake. Oh man, I gotta tell We're you. So no, that's exciting. That's I, I know a little thing mass. about. Yeah. I know a little thing or two about podcasts, and I would be very interested yeah. to listen. When can we find out? What this is going to be, um, and, and let me ask as you we this: As we record the leave. first
2: episode, <laughs> oh, okay,
0: <Yeah. laughs> no, no, wait a minute, we're into we're in our last five minutes, and I want to make absolutely, positively sure we don't miss this. Um, where can we find out more information about Natasha Simri? Yes,
1: um, so easy, at least if if you can spell. Uh, my name is natashasamriy.com. Oh, that. <laughs> That's an <Okay. on> internet. <laughs> not you. I mean, it's not a comedy. Oh, okay, name. okay, I okay. Probably okay, lose. Okay, I probably okay, lose okay, people. Okay. You know, natashasamriy.com. I'm on. I'm. I'm probably most active on Instagram. I'm at <laughs> okay. natashasamriy okay. comedy. I'm on Twitter, Facebook. Just look up my name. It's in the uh, Tony show notes. So Please find me. Please make friends with me because I'm. I, I will not make friends with you because I'm too shy. <laughs>
0: oh, as as everybody can tell. God damn it, I'm still trying to figure
1: out the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tony, you invited me here and you gave me a platform. If I you had know, not done I know, that, I, I would and be listening could, quietly. Well listen, you teeth.
0: do realize this this could go on for hours and I know for a fact that if I if I
1: really, really, really tried
0: and worked on it, I could get this like get this out of you with the
1: podcast. You might be able to, or I might accidentally drop a call. But I don't, yeah, really.
0: (laughs) But, but I really don't want to do that. I, I think, I think, I, well, I, I think podcasting would be a natural extension for you. I really do. And, um, I, I, I could sit here and I, and this is no bullshit. I, I could really sit here for hours and talk with you because I find it amazing that somebody with, um, all your talent, all your abilities, and all that you do seem to not be one to take it so seriously as to ruin the person that you've been. And that says a lot because you've seen it, and I know, you, I know you've seen it, and I know I've seen it. You've seen a lot of people that get into a certain niche, and they kind of lose sight of reality, if that's correct. And I love the fact that you've remained grounded. I love the fact that you're still so family-oriented. And I love the fact that you basically stumble into things because that's life. And, I mean, you're living your life. You're living it to its fullest. And you're actually finding your life giving you a lot of what a lot of people don't have, which is something they want. A lot of people live a life of desperation, quiet desperation. I know we've heard that phrase before. Um, But you're living your life the way you want to live it on your own terms, and I think that's incredible. So I got to tell you, um, I have – just amazingly enjoyed this conversation we could go on for hours i hope you'll consider coming back i really want to uh learn more about what you're doing and i damn well want to know what that show is so
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay
1: we'll watch so I... it and we'll have you on and then oh, you can please, bring us back and please, then we're just going to take over please, your podcast just, talking about the show <laughs> and
0: just chide the hell out of me you know just say
1: ah see i told
0: you i told you you would but listen, I really—you have been an absolute pleasure to have on the show tonight, and I really want to thank you for making time with us. I hope—I—I—I I, I, I do hope that you will consider coming back at some point because we really of want course. to know. You're—you're you're an open I just book. I was have a good time
1: talking with you, Tony. Thank good. you. I so love doing this. You're such glad. an easy conversation. I am
0: so glad. The check's in the mail. So you know, <laughs> don't
1: hold your breath. <laughs> so
0: now, whether or not you can cash, it's another story. No, but listen, I really want to thank you for being with us tonight. I hope you'll come back. We're looking forward to hearing more about you. And again, real quick, can you tell us where we can find you?
1: Absolutely, NatashaSamrainy dot com. You also, I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, just search my name on Instagram. I'm at Natasha Samarini comedy.
0: That is fantastic. Natasha Samarini, thank you for joining us on Unscripted. That is our show for the evening. We want to thank each and every one of you for listening. We hope you will uh, join us next Thursday at 9 o'clock. Natasha, good night, and thank you.
1: Good night, Tony.
0: Good night.